I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. I hope you all had some time during the holiday to rest and recharge because there are a lot of challenges before us in 2023. Well, today's show is very exciting because I've invited some of my wisest colleagues who are in the field of purpose in so many different ways. And I've asked them, what are their predictions for 2023? What are they going to focus on? What are some of the opportunities? What are some of the challenges? I've also asked them, what were the big wins in 2022? So joining me on this show about predictions are four of some of my favorite people doing amazing work in the for-profit side, the consulting side, and the not-for-profit side in the field of purpose. Some call it citizenship. Some call it ESG. Um, No matter what you call it, stakeholder capitalism, it is so critical to advance business with a conscience, with impact, that's going to help the business grow. It's going to help businesses and organizations attract the best talent, as well as have a great impact on society and the environment. So joining me, Shannon Schuyler, Chief Purpose and DEI Officer at PwC, Damon Jones, Chief Communications Officer of PNG. We've got a full program on Damon that you've got to listen to early this year. Martin Whitaker, CEO of Just Capital, and Artis Stevens, CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So let's just jump right in to their insights and predictions. They are absolutely fantastic. The first one, this was a no-brainer, listeners, because Shannon Schuyler has been in the field for so many years. She's always connecting all the dots and talking to incredibly uh, amazing audiences and people. So she is going to start us off with a very simple question. And welcome back to the show, Shannon. Thank you so much. I can't imagine a better place to be as we are in the new year. There we go. And for our listeners, Shannon has the amazing title, U.S. Chief Purpose and Inclusion Officer at PwC. So, Shannon, the small question, where do you see purpose evolving in the coming year? Well, Carol, I was so excited about this question because some people think of me as being a bit of a skeptic, but I actually feel as we are in 2023 now, that there's a lot of great things ahead. I think first, we collectively are going to stop, and I will challenge all of us, we are not calling this a journey anymore. We are not journeying to purpose. We are not journeying to social change. We are not journeying to diversity. We are not journeying to climate equity. We are actually going to say, we are going to get to an aspirational goal that we set. We are going to make this a true business outcome and not just something that we hope that one day we might wander upon and be able to get there at the end of our long, long journey, but we're actually going to have a place to go. And I'm really excited that organizations are starting to put some true grit into determining what's next and hold themselves accountable for that. So I'm thrilled about that. I 
also think, and this is fascinating for people who started with thinking that the millennial generation was one that suddenly we will go back. <laughs> we will find more baby booners and we will find more people, you know, who are Gen X to say that in the war for talent, talent won. And we are fundamentally going to change. This is the tipping point that no longer will we be trying to, around the edges annually, determine different ways to promote and develop. We are going to have to reimagine an entire career path from recruitment through longevity of an organization, through being an alum, through being a client or being a customer of a personalized experience. This is no longer about the company saying this is how you will succeed. It is about the individual employee saying this is how I want to succeed. And within that, giving the freedom for people to be able to engage in purpose projects, to truly connect what makes them feel that their lives and their time is meaningful with the content of their jobs. I think we're there. And I could not be more excited for the generations who have pushed us there. And then, Carol, I know it's so exciting. And then the last is I, I think we will we have finally come to a point that whether it is purpose, whether it is social diversity, climate, et cetera, all of this can be measured. And that really goes on the same thing of it not being a journey anymore, that this will now meet truly, and we've talked about it for years, but this should be aligned with that whole notion around integrated reporting and truly adding the same value, the same business value of our core financial reporting. And I think we're there. And I'm looking at 2023 for more companies to lean in on all of these things. Well, that's very sophisticated, very exciting. And of course, your PwC. I mean, you have amazing training in the billions of dollars for your colleagues. You have amazing programs you're leading uh, with your CEO pledge for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think I got their name wrong. What's the formal name of that? No, we have two. We have CEO Action for Diversity and Inclusion, and then we started uh, CEO Action for Racial Equity. So we have both really digging into policy work as well as the 2,300 CEOs that are a part of specifically the diversity and inclusion work. I love 2,300 CEOs. How do you get those 2,300 CEOs to go in one direction? I'm curious. Well, I think the best thing is it's about them being able to find the direction that works for them, right? It's their own story. It has to be authentic and genuine. And when we set up parameters that were wide enough to say, listen, this is about making sure that you're saying there is something that we all need to do around unconscious bias. There is what we need to do around sharing the things that work so people can get better. There is what we need to do around letting people have dialogues that are incredibly uncomfortable because they're dealing with it outside of work, so they have to deal with it in work. And then also saying to the board of directors, you need to know where we're trying to go and you need to be an advocate for it. And I think that's incredibly exciting. And that is what has driven those CEOs together and then the fun part is seeing the different ways that they've capitalized on it. Oh, the fun part. I love that. Um, interesting. How about a board? Do you have a, a board crystal ball uh, recommendation? I mean, how are boards going to get smarter about this and, and engage further? One of the topics, Carol, that, and we always talk about like what's next, 
The board work, I think, is one of the most exciting places to be. And I do believe that the boards are digging in and understanding what ESG is, which really is so connected to corporate purpose. And what are the things that they need to do? And even more importantly, what are they responsible for doing? And what does that mean as far as the composition of a board, as well as How do they actually look at their own governance to own this and to make sure that they're looking at activists and stakeholders and shareholders in elevating their responsibility? So I think this year for the boards, especially of public companies, is going to be a challenging one, but an exciting one because they're going to be able to truly work with their management to drive unparalleled change. Excellent. Um, I'm curious about what do you think was the most success in 2022 for the advancement of purpose beyond we're, we're not going to have a journey. We're going to kind of get there and do it. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I really think that people realized purpose a couple of years ago became something that folks thought would be in and out of vogue relatively soon. And what people started to understand is in order for people to really drive change and for leaders to change in order to truly see sustainability in their organizations, they had to have a reason why they were doing it. It was their why. It wasn't their what. And I think over the course of the last year, company realized they had to have the North Star to hang not just their narrative towards, but their actions towards and their commitment and their authenticity. And that has really made purpose, not just a word to say, but something that has become alongside your values and your culture that really will help to drive an organization, make them distinctive, but also make them sustainable. I'm glad you said that, because that's exactly what we're working with. Uh, A handful of new CEOs who are saying, got to pause. We really need to have our purpose. Our purpose is going to help drive our strategy and our culture. So um, I'm really glad to hear you say that. So I know that you meet with lots of varying stages, uh, purpose, ESG, sustainability professionals, some that are at PwC, some that you meet at conferences, et cetera, et cetera. What kind of guidance do you want to give those individuals for 2023 going forward? I think, Carol, one of the things that people are starting to understand is there are no more sidelines. Like you're going to be in the game and you're going to be on the game every day. And you're going to be in the game on topics every day that you're incredibly uncomfortable with. And your role is to make people talk about them until they become comfortable with being uncomfortable and they create a trusted environment. I think it's going to be incredibly exciting to see individuals have to hunker down and say, if you don't say something, someone will say it for you. And that's going to be ugly. And you don't want someone else to tell your story or tell your narrative. You want to be able to say something. You don't have to lean into everything, but you have to say why you are or why you are not. And I think that that's going to take incredible resiliency because what we certainly have seen over the course of the last couple of years and even over the last couple of months, that's going to happen every week. You're going to have to be ready that the pivots of society, if you're not involved and engaged in them, you're going to be left behind. And ultimately, your customers, your clients, and your employees are going to decide to go someplace else because, again, the talent won. And I think that's both an upside as well as something that people within our field, we can be challenged by. And I think that's an exciting thing to be challenged by. Super. And just in our last question, 
I'm just going to leave it totally open for you just to be able to say, well, you know, this is really what I'd like to conclude with or keep an eye on in 2023. I hope that more of us in 2023, Carol, can really galvanize and support one another. This is not the time to go it alone. This is not the time to try to charge ahead and to have your competitors stay behind. This is a place where business currently, after how many years, is viewed as the most trusted place out there. The only way that we can continue on with that is if we work together and we don't just say, we hope to do it for a competitive advantage. This is the chance. We are changing society. We are changing the world, literally, whether the planet and the world will be here. And so for us to be able to lower down those different things that have kept us apart and to really look to one another and to say, how can we help? How can we learn? How can we grow? How can we invest together is something that I think we all got to get comfortable with. And that means, you know, we're going to lie side people that you never thought you would, but there's got to be some upside, I think, with that as well. Well, super. Well, now that was so brilliant, Shannon, as, as usual. I'm sure people listening to this at the beginning of the year are going to go, how do I clone Shannon Schuyler? Um, you know, have her really um, inspire and impart her wisdom to our organization. Um, so we'll have to figure that one out. But also, I just have to say to our listeners that Shannon has agreed to doing another show about the failures. But that's going to be really good because we learn by not being perfect. So tune in to later in 2023 because that's going to be another great conversation with the amazing Shannon Schuyler. Today, I just have the delight to introduce a friend and someone that I revere so much as an amazing communicator, but someone who truly understands the power of purpose that must support business as well as society. So welcome to the show, Damon Jones. He's the Chief Communications Officer of Procter & Gamble. Carol, it's great to be with you again. So Damon, where do you see purpose evolving in the coming year? I think purpose has to be much more deeply integrated into business strategy fundamentally. One of the things that I worry about for 2023 is a lot of the anti-ESG movement that we see growing. And I think a lot of that is made easier when initiatives that brands and companies do aren't grounded in a fundamental business purpose. They are not clearly targeted and they're not clearly articulated. Um, so the challenge for us as communicators, not to get caught up into that fray, but to be specific, to be grounded in actions. Uh, and at the end of the day, to be specific in the outcomes that we want to create, because those outcomes, more people agree on than disagree, uh, but we can't be deterred by it. But we've got to raise our game to make sure that we're having the strongest programs and that we're communicating about them in the best ways. What about your board? Do you see your board having greater involvement in your ESG direction and strategy? Our board is deeply engaged in um, how we define ESG or citizenship. Um, You know, there's the appropriate oversight, um, but they're also helping us see around corners um, and to make sure that, uh, again, the efforts that we're doing are strongly linked to the business, uh, that we're measuring the right things 
in the right ways. Um, we don't want to get caught up in activity. We want to be focused on outcomes. And again, outcomes that are related to the purpose of our company and the purpose um, that our brands have in serving consumers. I think when we get those things right, we'll, we'll be in a really good space. And, and I saw in your new citizenship report, which just came out, that um, you are now tying ESG factors to the compensation uh, for senior executives. And that seems, is this the first time that you're doing that? It's something we've done. This will now be the second or third year that we've done it. Um, but it speaks to the seriousness to which we take this, right? We get what we measure. You've heard that that phrase before. Um, so we're very specific in the goals that we have for our business. We're equally specific in the goals that we have in, in areas such as environmental sustainability. So we're measuring our emissions. We're measuring, um, you know, the recyclability of our packages. We're tracking the diversity and inclusion uh, of our employees. All of those things matter. Um, and I think the fact that executive compensation at the highest levels is tied to them sends a strong signal that these are not just nice-to-haves, but they're must-haves that are tied to the overall success of P&G. What do you think are new opportunities for purpose in 2023? The new opportunities, I think, are to, to go deeper. You know, we've all read the stories about the billions of dollars that were committed to that. Well, let's again talk about how companies are not just throwing money at problems, but they're bringing all of their resources to bear. Um, are, are those one-time contributions? Are those companies sustaining them to ensure that the, 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 the you know, the stances that they put on their, their, their brochures or their commercials are really coming to pass? So I don't think we'll see any major shifts, but I think we will see increasing scrutiny to make sure that people are following through on their commitments. And I think that's very appropriate. Besides PNG, because you've had wonderful successes in 2022, any other program or company that stands out to you that was, that was really good? I wish, and you'd almost say, I wish I did that in 2022. You know, I give Apple a ton of credit. Um, you know, being a, a creative at heart, I think the work that they do to ensure that all people are seen through their advertising and how they build an accessibility for their products is amazing. If you go back to the Apple ad that debuted on the International Day of People with Disabilities, uh, it opened up my mind and I think many others to how you can design inclusion into your product offering. So you can do all the great recruiting, you can have all the great charity and cause programs, but fundamentally at your core, when you are designing a product, when you can design that product um, for everyone and ensure inclusion is fundamentally who you are when you design a product, I think that speaks to purpose at the highest levels. So, you know, as I think about companies that get it right, um, don't come talking to me about a program. Talk to me about how your products and services fundamentally include and benefit all people. That's the secret sauce. And from there, if you're getting that right, the marketing campaign becomes easy. Like Gillette Trio which was the razor for assisted uh, yeah, people who need assistance with physical disabilities or, or for example, people who were older and didn't have the same mobility that they once have, but simply designing a, a razor to be used at the angle. That's not necessarily for a self shave and including the cream in it. Um, you know, when you see the stories um, and we get over a billion and a half consumer comments really? every year, when you dive into that and you see the impact um what you're doing on people, it's it's magical. Uh, and that's what makes all of the pain worth it. Oh, I love that. It's magical. Who reads those billion plus comments? I mean, you must have a few people reading them. Where do they go? 
dozens of people throughout our, not just our consumer relations organization, but the beauty of consumer understanding being so central to what we do um, is if you talk to any brand manager at P&G, um, they're going to be able to give you some quotes from their recent consumer relations reports, right? Because they follow what consumers are saying about them, not just on social media, but what are they calling in? And we still get letters, right? We still get the phone calls in from people, uh, oftentimes with suggestions, oftentimes with complaints, but oftentimes with compliments of things that speak to them. Um, and so staying in touch with your consumer and making that a fundamental part of how you do business enables us to be in touch. And what advice would you give for professionals who, no matter what they call it, citizenship, purpose, sustainability, what advice would you give to an up and coming, you know, someone who's not a CCO like you are, um, but what advice, what should they be doing in 2023 to advance their careers? I start with finding your why and deeply understanding it, making it personal. Um, you know, sometimes people think that it's really easy. Oh, we should just do this, right? Um, but it's not like all of the ideas that are out there, there, there's a ton of new and original ideas. It's the right idea for the right company executed at the right time and in a way that's authentic for them. So it really is about a holistic ecosystem. Uh, I would advise them to learn from the mistakes of others. Uh, very often we get together and we talk about the things that we got right, but we can learn equally as much from the things that we got wrong. Uh, and we spend a lot of time doing that here at P&G. But the talk, there were some things that we probably would have executed differently. Gillette, we believe we would have done some things differently. Doesn't make that a bad campaign, but we seek to learn from everything that we do, good or bad, um, because we know uh, that our consumers have, have very short memory, long memories, I would say, uh, and they're going to hold us to task. So we don't want to make the same mistakes twice. That, that's fantastic. So thank you for the predictions and such and your insights. So our third incredibly wise person that we've asked to provide predictions for purpose in 2023 is Martin Whitaker, and he is CEO of Just Capital, and he has been on the show many times because he and his organization have had such an amazing impact in terms of really um, providing insights from the American public about what comprises um, a Just company, and um, a lot of it's still about employees, but there's also many other indicators. And so um, congratulations. Congratulations first on continuing to have incredible impact um, on advancing stakeholder capitalism. I just adore learning about what you're doing and you're so committed. So congratulations. Thanks, Carol. Really, uh, it's been a great year. It's been a really kind of topsy-turvy year as well for the space. And I'm just, I'm glad to be to be back on the show talking to you. So how about just a little bit about what were the successes for Purpose in 2022 from uh, your, you know, leadership of Just Capital? Well, I think the biggest success is it became just so mainstream, uh, you know, so prominent and such a, you know, such a, such a critical element of how businesses think about their role in society, so much so that it prompted this major backlash, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I see that uh, really as a, a um, in a twisted kind of way, as a positive thing, because, you know, it's time we talk about purpose in a really uh, important way, in a disciplined way that we think, you know, about this as a genuine shift in how business is done and how we define success. And that that requires real debate. 
you know, real discussion, including with those people who don't don't see that point of view. And I I, th- I welcome that. So to me, that's the biggest achievement. I see it as a year where it became so important that we had to have a national conversation about it. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about definitions, because we have ESG, we have purpose, we have stakeholder capitalism and such. So how do you like to refer the um, strategy and the impact of businesses engaging um, with society and the environment for both business growth as well as societal and environmental impact? To me, it comes down to business performance, um, how you define success, what drives success. I think, you know, businesses uh, today operate in an environment where there are many different social and environmental factors that affect corporate performance, um, financial return, and long-term success. You know, I think those things have always changed in capitalism. And I think today, you know, they're just as relevant. And so to me, I, I look at it all through the lens of what are the things that as a, as a CEO of a corporation, you need to be aware of, you need to understand, you need to factor into uh, how you allocate capital, how you define success, and and be be much more aware of that. And that's, that's, that's the stakeholder model to me. Okay, so you want to call it stakeholder capitalism? I call it the stakeholder. Well, I I do use that term a lot. And I think, unfortunately, terms become weaponized and also they become, they sort of invoke meaning and understanding, which you may not necessarily want to imply. So when I say stakeholder capitalism, you know, to some people, they'll jump to a bunch of uh, conclusions and assumptions about what I really mean by that. Um, Somehow, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to, you know, sh- share the pie. Uh, we're, we're trying to uh, uh, take our eye off the ball in terms of investment return, show, all of that stuff. I don't mean any of that. You know, what I'm talking about is how do you invest in stakeholders in order to create long-term value for the business? Over the past year, as it's becoming standard and, and desired and accepted, there has been a backlash. And we can call it the woke capitalism backlash. We can call it the ESG backlash. What's your point of view on all of that? ESG has sort of had it easy for for a while, you know, for a long time. You know, I remember back in the late 90s when I first got involved in this space. And, you know, it's it, it was really almost then it was really about performance. It was about business performance and business risk. And now it's become politicized and become about, you know, a lot, a lot more things. And, and, um, I think the pushback is to me, it's sort of, it's welcome because it forces debate. And, and as long as that debate is centered on, you know, facts and truth and, and, uh, a genuine desire to try and, uh, unpack, you know, how to be successful in business, then I'm good with it. I, you know, I'm not good with it if it's meant for, uh, self-serving political, uh, uh, game. Um, but I, I think it's really important to understand, you know, what, what what should businesses be doing now on climate? What should they be doing on racial equity? What should they be doing on, you know, on, on lifting up and supporting communities around America? Like, I, I think those are really important topics of discussion. You know, where do you how do you define that? And and um, that's the discussion we need to have. And, and where do you see purpose um, going or stakeholder capitalism or ESG, whatever we're going to call it in the coming year? What are your predictions for 2023? Well, I think the spotlight will uh, only intensify. 
on on how companies uh, show up. You know, I, I suspect you'll see far fewer companies um, making sort of public, you know, grandiose commitments to different things. I think there's a lot more internal work, and I think that's fine. You know, I I, I like that. Uh, the companies that we interact with want, you know, they're not shying away from wanting to be better as an employer or as a member of a community or as a, you know, a partner supply chain or as a providing value for customers or any of that. Uh, I don't see a pullback in any of the stakeholder issues that we track. I do see a reticence to speak out for fear of, of, of you know, being targeted. So I, I imagine that that will intensify in 2023 and in 2024. I think it'll be a presidential election issue. You know, I think there'll be a lot more scrutiny in terms of the SEC and what government regulation and government policy requires of companies um, in terms of data. I think that's a good thing. We want to be, have data that the market can trust, that has real meaning for investors. All of those things are good things. So I think that will place additional scrutiny on what companies are disclosing, what data they're gathering, what is the meaning, how does it attach to co- company performance measurement. All of that is good. I think we'll be probably tested from a fiduciary standpoint. You know, I think that will come back around in 2023. What, is, what really should boards be doing? What should investment managers be doing on ESG sustainability? What should they not be doing? I think that's going to be that's going to be teased out and really scrutinized. Uh, you could even get the first lawsuits against business leaders or CEOs. You know, wouldn't surprise me if we saw a major asset manager CEO sued for breach of fiduciary responsibility, and that will that will then test what that really means. You know, that will that will force that discussion. I could see that happening at the cor- corporate level as well, maybe in the board level. And I'm glad you talked about boards. So where do you see board engagement on ESG, stakeholder capitalism, 2022, and then going forward 2023 and 2024? I think it's essential. I think boards need to be much more articulate and and much more aware of what this really means for business performance. Um, And I think, you know, we work with boards all the time, and I talk to board members of big companies all the time. And uh, I think they're all at various stages of their journey on that and different levels of, of understanding and organization, how they how they think about that at the board level, which committee handles things like uh, purpose and and uh, ESG related risks um, and the s- stakeholder issues. To me, though, Carol, it, like it doesn't require fundamental rethinking of the role of the board. I think it, it's it's always been the board's responsibility to shepherd and steer the long-term interests of the corporation. And these stakeholder issues are factors that affect the long-term interests of the corporation. Therefore, this is not a change in board responsibility. It's an evolution of the, the range of issues which come under the board's responsibility. And so that's where the duty of fiduciary responsibility comes in to understand what that means for a company. How do I know that the company I'm on the board of is doing a good job or a bad job? How do I incentivize a better job, which takes you into the realm of compensation, um, executive comp? And then, you know, how do I make some tough decisions about, are we on the right track in the long term? How do we deal with maybe activist shareholders and things like, you know, investor engagement? Uh, you know, those are board composition. You know, it's why, it's why board diversity to me, it's important. It's it's not a it's not a box checking. This is sort of equipping your company 
to be able to address these evolving sets of risks and responsibilities for corporate boards. When you talk about evolving sets of risk and responsibilities, I'm very curious about an issue that is just, you know, so pervasive in the U.S., and that's um, substance use disorder and the fentanyl crisis. Um, and I'm curious, as you see various issues, one, I know you have a huge focus on employees, but then other social issues. Um, is that one that is being talked about a lot more? And is there that and another that's coming, rising up in 2002 and it's going to be really big in years to come? Well, it's interesting you raised that. I mean, I, I think um, last uh, earlier this year when we launched the rankings on CNBC, there was a, if I remember rightly, there was a conversation about really the bigger picture of why we, why do, why would we want companies to be more just? And we use the opioid crisis as an example, which everybody just understood that you just want companies to try and do the right thing by their stakeholders, whether it's products, it's whether it's it's pricing around, you know, EpiPens, if you remember that, it's, whether it's their responsibility, you know, companies made a lot of money selling and, and distributing opioids for shareholders. Certain investors did, I'm sure, extraordinarily well. But is that really what, you know, good citizenship means for companies? Is that what we want? I don't think so. So I think when you, you raise the issue of fentanyl, I think there are other uh, sort of the roles of corporations in really trying to address maybe the education in America, ac access to basic health care, access to ba basic financial services. I mean, these are, these are in many ways human rights. So, so I, see, I see companies just really just, I hope, I hope we have a higher order conversation about how companies can really, you know, improve society by thinking about along those lines. So that, that, that to me would be a great example of corporate justness. And what advice would you have for purpose and, and even sustainability professionals in 2023? What, how do, where do they have to up their game? Be open-minded, not ideological. Really trying to understand how, you know, where criticism or where skepticism or outright opposition is coming from, why is that? What are the assumptions baked into that? And what, perhaps what are my own assumptions about all this that might need me to revisit them? You know, like, I, I, think, I think that is crucial to try to build bridges. And we've got to build more bridges in society today. And I think you referred to our polling earlier, you know, at the beginning. When we talk to people around the country, whether it's, you know, regardless of political ideology, age, race, uh, gender, we ask them about companies and what does a just company do? You get a lot of agreement. So we can build a bridge. We can use that to build a bridge. You know, people just want the best, you know, from their lives. You know, they want to be able to build prosperity. They want to be able to look after their family, you know, put a roof over their head, all those basic things. That's that's a unifying force, and we need more of that. And have you, since you started polling the U.S. citizenry about what makes a just company, has there been any dramatic shifts, or is it still 50% is employee treatment, engagement, evolution, and such? There has been a shift. Over the years, it shifted much more in favor uh, in terms of priority, if you will, weight towards workers and jobs. Especially in the last few years, COVID had a lot to do with that. 
you know, it, it forced a complete rethink about the relationship between employer and employee. And so, so I think that we've seen that rise up uh, a lot. Um, and I would say the other issues have all always sort of vied for second and third place, if you will. It's not to say they're not important. I mean, you know, people shouldn't misunderstand that we're saying climate change is not an important issue. But when you when you survey the way we do and you 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 require people to prioritize, it's lower down because most people, understandably, are most focused on being paid well, trying to, you know, get a good job, trying to, you know, get by. And those are the things we we tend to see rise to the top. But that was even more so this year. And just in closing, because I want to give the last words to you, any uh, requests as CEO of Just Capital? I always want to send you some money because the work that you, it's they're not for profit folks. So they do need to be funded. So any requests for for that or any just last requests regarding requests or predictions for 2023? Well, certainly on requests, uh, yes, we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, I think we, we've become one of the major forces uh, you know, for really getting companies to do the right thing with with all the work that we do. So any contributions are inc- incredibly important and gratefully received. You know, my request overall is really, you know, in this space to try and understand those who disagree with you. We're just going to go down, you know, this incredibly divisive road even further if we don't really try and build bridges. So that's that's what I'm going to try and do in 2023. That's my New Year's resolution. Super. Okay. Well, it's always wonderful to have you on the show. Um, you are so wise, and I hope you get a modicum of time off to uh, recharge and refresh because there's so much more for all of us to do. So thank you, Martin. Thank you, Carol. Best wishes for the holidays and a happy new year. Joining us for this very interesting tour of predictions for purpose in 2023 is a someone I admire so much. He's a friend and he is president and CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. And that's Artist Stevens. Artist, welcome to the show. Carol, my friend, it is such a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, it's, it's always wonderful to be with you. Um, so we're going to get right down to it. So what do you think was one or two big successes for purpose in 2022. I think just in general, the the idea of more organizations, um, more companies, uh, more influencers, really leaning into the idea of purpose. And and I know this word is commonly used, but I think it's so important, particularly given the times that we're in, authenticity, right? Um, and, and I think we've seen more and more evolution of the transactional model of what used to sort of be seen and caused so often, Carol, which you know very well, right? And then getting to the point of being much more authentic. You know, what is it not that we're just doing to engage a, a consumer or a stakeholder or some level of constituency, but how does it truly align with our values, right? And how does it truly align with who we are, what we are uh, staking our claim on, what our mission, what our feel and our existence for being, and how do we find value-driven partners and purpose-driven partners that truly align with us? I think we see we saw more and more of that, of that this year. And I would even go out to say that I think a lot of it was built on the context of the environment that we live in, 
right? What's been happening with social justice? What's been happening with the pandemic? What's been happening with violence in our communities, social isolation that's caused us to be even much more resilient and probably much more laser focused on how we come across as companies, how we come across as uh, others in the social impact and social change space, and how do we make sure that we are resonating and communicating in a very authentic and value-driven way. And I will say that that your other colleagues on this special podcast authenticity comes up a lot. So you're absolutely spot on. So I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, but it's a good way that you have a brand new, very authentic partnership that just is happening, um, just happened last year. And it's going to be, you know, hopefully really long term. And uh, would you just talk a little bit about it? Because I think your partner is totally about authenticity. And I think it's a great relationship. It is a wonderful relationship. So uh, the partnership you're referring to is with Macy's. Uh, and just this year, we became uh, a national partner of Macy's and the official holiday uh, cause partner with Macy's. So, yeah, when uh, folks go into uh, the, the holiday, the holiday season in store, they will have an opportunity, of course, to support big brothers, big sisters, uh, and then just give back uh, to their community. So every year annually, uh, you know, folks who go in store will have the opportunity to that. But it's it's more than that. And this is what the beauty of this partnership and why I'm so excited about it. And and I will tell you, uh, for me, it's about what I just said, value-driven partnerships, authenticity. Uh, Carol, you saw this very well. And, and I have to give you a shout out, my friend, because uh, I'm not having this conversation ab- about Macy's or with Macy's if it wasn't for you. Uh, and, and for everyone who's uh, watching and listening here, uh, Carol, you and your company were instrumental uh, to helping to facilitate, engage uh, this relationship between Big Brothers, Big Sisters uh, and Macy's. So thank you, first and foremost, my friend. You're welcome. Oh, it was, uh, we were thrilled. We were thrilled that, uh, you know, we didn't look at that many who could really rise to the needs of Macy's since they're all across the country and they really wanted a long-term partner um, that's helping them with their new social purpose mission, everyone. And it's about representation and opportunity. And, you know, in my heart of hearts, I went, oh, I want big brothers, big sisters. I love the other guys, but I really, and also I have to say to our listeners, and this is, I'm a fangirl of artists. I've known him for a long, long time. And this role for him is extraordinary and it's the right role, the right time, the right man. So congratulations. But now let's get back to like purpose next year. Okay. Yeah. So where do you, so where do you see purpose going in the coming year? What are your predictions? <sighs> yeah. So uh, some, some big predictions here. I think we're going to see even more increased uh, effort and incorporation into justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion work with purpose. And, and I think you saw some of, some of it over the last couple of years, of course, but I think we're going to see even more of it. Uh, and I think you're going to see much more of that. And, and some of that's because of what we're seeing in our society, right? I think you're seeing more companies who are seeing the value and benefit of, you know, how does my CSR program or my ESG program, right, work in terms of the sense of uh, social engagement, the communities I give back to, how it works into broader senses of justice and whether it's economic uh, environmental, uh, more community and social social justice. We're going to see much more of that. And I think the incorporation of the power of the work that uh, causes can do in terms of being great partners to help companies deliver in that. And I think a lot of it is also what you're seeing just in terms of generally in society. 
think it's much more around employees and the transparency of employees and employees being much more engaged. The growth of ERGs, employee resource groups, or something that the more that employees have power, uh, empowerment and investment in where companies go, how they invest their money and their dollars is something that you're going to continue to see. I believe that we're going to continue to see growth that connects right back into this idea of the DEI space uh, and what's happening to the broader social justice lens. I think the, the continued growth of a younger generation of donors, right, and how they give, how they live, uh, whether that's through uh, engagement, uh, with brands, with missions, the way that they shop, uh, the transparency that they want, right? Uh, the the significant attention that we see in this space is going to be, I think, continue to grow and continue to scale uh, in what we're doing. And I think the growth of technology is, of course, is another uh, key aspect in what we're seeing, uh, particularly in our space. So it's not just simply the idea of how you deliver your programs, but for us, a lot of it is how do we connect even much more simply and being able to uh, geographically target where our, our donors are, where our partners are, how do we create smart programs and partnerships that allow volunteers, partners, constituencies to activate much more successfully, right? Those types of partnerships and those types of programs and using data, using insights, using technology to not only move your programs if you're a cause or a charity, but to use partnerships and to activate your partnerships much more effectively, I think are some of the big trends that we're going to continue to see grow uh, here in 2023 and beyond. That's a great list. So I'd love you to talk a little bit more about partnerships. So what do you see as... um the opportunities to really uh, deepen those partnerships in the coming year? Yeah. Well, I, I will say I, I feel really proud uh, about our partners. Um, I feel really proud what we've been able to do, particularly in my two years uh, here leading this organization, uh, as well as, and Carol, I don't know if you, if you had heard recently, uh, we were just selected uh, to be the Golden Halo Award winner Oh, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, I love David and his group. So Golden yeah. Halo. All right. Yeah. So, it's, so it's us on the, the nonprofit <laughs> side, it's ESPN on the uh, corporate that's, side. That's um, and we have, a, of course, we, we have great partners that are, are threads, right? And, and it sort of goes to your question, where, where do I see uh, this going? And particularly as we think about uh, the growth of some of the work that we're doing, I think one is we're seeing a thread through all of our partners, right? So whether it's Comcast, uh, Express, uh, Pepsi, the NFL, Starbucks Foundation, and it's this sink and this lymph to say, how do we ensure that we're elevating in real and substantial ways to make transformational change, right? Great, so great. It's this idea of being able to say, we want to move and shift big outcomes. So for us, big outcomes comes in the thread of mentorship. And this is something... And I think it's really important for our work is that we think that mentorship and is done at its best is reciprocal. So what we're trying to do is to say, yes, it's the impact that we make in young people's lives. But when you get involved in mentorship, it affects and impacts your lives. So we're seeing employee engagement at our highest level, right, since I've been in this organization or since this organization has been doing this work uh, with the co uh, corporate and companies. Because companies are seeing the idea of how do you build stronger employee engagement? How do you build stronger pipelines and corporate pipelines for diversifying your industry? And they're seeing us as a solution uh, to that work. So we're coming to the table not to simply say, hey, here's how you can help us. 
But here's how we can be a solution to societal problems, whether that has to do with career and college development, whether it has to do with mental health challenges and what we're seeing in the mental health epidemic. And now doing doing mental health first aid trainings for our entire network and how we train, but also working with corporate partners like Harry's to help us support that and to implement that. And then, of course, in the space of technology and work like our, our Jedi strategy, where we're doing things that allow us to go into communities that have been hard hit or stressed with disaster. And some of those disasters are social disasters where we're implementing programs like relationship responders, where we're working with Starbucks, where we're going in actual communities that have been hard hit by social injustices. So what happens to the kids when those types of things happen? What happens to families in terms of their state and their emotional well-beings? So we're bringing in community responders to say, how do we help to fix issues and support issues and bring communities together? And it takes partnership to do that. And that's the last thing I'll say, that you know, the model that I would say for us, but I also think is for the broader industry. If we're going to continue to succeed, to thrive, and one of the biggest trends that need to continue to happen is the different ways that we figure out how we work together. All the lines that I think were traditional lines for even causes has to be lines that we break off. So when we launched a relationship with Girl Scouts last year, it was based upon the idea that this wasn't about being com- competitive. We're competing against the Girl Scouts. This was about kids and how do we think about creative and innovative ways of what each partner can bring value to the table. And then we can help lift each other and help lift this industry so that the work of purpose is much more successfully driven across our businesses, across our brands, and then ultimately to have much more impact on our communities. I know you you told me in our prep, you said that you just did a 14 city tour <laughs> And I'm just wondering, you talked to a lot of people, you actually lost your voice, you're getting it back now, great. I'm sure some of the themes you just talked about came up from that discussion, but were there any others that you're going to say, wow, I heard this and it's going to have an impact in 2023? The the sense of uh, what I would look at and some of the things that I heard very, very strongly in our our local communities, and, and this is something I think won't be new to any anyone who's listening here. And that is what's been going on in terms of just the 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 great resignation uh, in our country. And I think we're seeing it across our industry. We're seeing it um, across society in general. And, and it's the sense of of trying to make sure that we find great talent. Right. And I think that's on all aspects and in, in, in pretty much every industry and in, in every segment. So I think if we continue to think about uh, particularly like the areas and the spaces of purpose that. There is so much talent out there that's looking to find meaning in their work, right? Um, we have, are seeing some really strong candidates and really strong work in, in how we've been attracting and recruiting talent across our entire network. So that's not just our national office. That's 230 of our agencies that we're starting to build a stronger pipeline of talent coming into our network. And why is that, right? The reason that is, is that we're we're not certainly going to pay someone probably the same amount as a Fortune 100 company. But the reason I feel like we're able to put, to compete from a talent perspective is because we're meeting other needs that they have, right? They have to we have to certainly meet a baseline in terms of being competitive uh in value of life and and being able to to live a certain lifestyle, but we also know that that certain lifestyle means do I have flexibility? Do I have the ability to be able to 
not always work in an office, but to work home and to be able to telecommute? Do I have the opportunity to connect socially? Is the job meaningful to me in terms of where I'm at in life and my purpose? Is the benefits allowing me to do things with my family and extend ways in my family? So I think one of the biggest things that, that all of us in this purpose industry have to think about is our talent and how we develop talent, how we attract them, and how we ultimately help them grow in the work that we're doing. We're spending a tremendous amount of time investing in development, team development, cohorts, and mentorship, because we can't be the largest youth mentoring organization in this country without being the best mentorship organization when it comes to our people and our development. That's super. And so that, that'll that just bridge right to our next question, which is that what advice do you have for purpose professionals um, to advance their careers in the coming year? One of the biggest things that I will say is finding community. You know, there's been a lot of talk around the sense of connectivity in our world, right? With so much isolation going on. That, that's not just simply because of the pandemic, Carol. I think we've seen much more of this. Uh, one of the things, the incredible things about social media, and what I love about social media as a tool is the connecting power of it. But when not used well all the time, it can also have this power to disconnect us, right? To divide us, right? And I think the power that we have in terms of purpose is to bring connections to people's lives, uh, whether that's connecting them to mission, whether that's connecting them to needs and opportunities, resources, but very importantly, connecting the people to people. Uh, for 118 years, that's what we've been about. We've been about connecting lives, connecting relationships, connecting people to people. We need that. We need that in our lives. That's what makes us human. That's what makes us who we are and the essence of who we are. And it's how we feed purpose into each other. So I think for as we grow and, and as we think about uh, purpose and sustainability professionals, as you think about your own career, how do you find connection in the people that's right around you, mentors and the people that's right around you, uh, contributing to mentorship, contributing to the idea of teaching and helping other, others, right? There's a lot of growth that you can find, yes, in pro formal professional development programs, but also just in learning cohorts that you can create uh, amongst your community, amongst connections and using those things to be able to grow and develop amongst the village of your own. So, you know, I always talk about the idea of personal growth within communities that we form, mentorship that we form, and villages uh, that we form in our life. And I think they are critical and crucial to our own growth and our development that stretch us and guide us. So anything else you want to add for predictions for 2023? I, uh, I've always believed in the idea. And I think, Carol, you know my story um, and the idea because my dad was a preacher. And I've always believed in the idea of ministry, right? And that we all have our own ministry in this world, right? Um, we all do it in very different ways. And what I am truly hopeful of is as we move into this next year is that purpose and the idea of, of uh, purpose in our programs, purpose in the work that we do, uh, that we see much more of a shift towards people finding uh, hope, finding value in this work um, being able to transfer knowledge uh, in this work and then setting up uh, ways and platforms that allow for partnership uh, to take place much more seamlessly, much more accessibly, right? Everyone, every single person uh, deserves opportunity and access. And, and it's really important for those who are more often marginalized in this country. Um, and I hope that there's a lens uh, through all the work that we do. And I hope that's one of the places we see the most growth 
is the lens that we all have in ensuring that the most marginalized communities in our country have access and have opportunities to connections, resources, and people. Wonderful. So thank you so much, artists. It's such a delight always to connect with you. And I just, um, I, you know, I'm so thrilled uh, with the commentary and have a great 2023. I know it's going to be wonderful with you at the helm of Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. So thanks so much. Thank you, my friend. I enjoyed it very much. Weren't these amazing conversations? I, I really have to thank Shannon, Damon, Martin, and Artis for their incredible wisdom to share with all of our listeners for Purpose 360 about where Purpose is going in 2023, some of the opportunities and the challenges. You know, we're all in different stages of realizing, embedding, and bringing our purpose to life, no matter what we call it. But we have incredible potential because this is no longer a nice to do. This is a have to do, but you can do it in terms of having a great impact on culture and operations, business success, innovation. We've got a lot of clients now that are bringing purpose to helping their products evolve as well as deepen relationships with all of their core stakeholders. And of course, having an authentic impact on society and the environment. So I wish you all an amazing new year. Take that opportunity that you had to rest and recharge to truly apply it against all of your great work. Please listen to our show. Um, we have a great lineup already for the first quarter of 2023. And if you have a chance to go to wherever you listen to your shows and give us a rating, we want to be five stars across the board. We're almost there because we want to be one of the most important business podcasts that can truly evolve the role of business and brands and not-for-profits in society. So thank you so much for being an avid listener. Share this with your friends and have a wonderful and purposeful 2023. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cone on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? 
Thanks so much for listening. 